basically what we're looking at is like the books of Enoch of Utena. Yes. Yeah. Akio had three heads and, <laughs> and eyes six all tails over his body. Well, that's probably canon. Fire. <laughs> we have the three gospels: the Book of Ikahara, the Book of Saito, and the Book of Inokido. <laughs> to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Today, we are here to follow up on our previous episode about the cut materials that were originally going to be the concept for revolutionary girl Utena, and today we're going to talk about more of the things that we're going into what Utena would actually end up looking like. And back again to help us with this are our good friends from Empty Movement, Gio and Yasha. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good too. You. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I apologize for my voice because I spent the past weekend at uh, live podcast showings where I screamed a lot and now I can't really talk very well. But you know what? <laughs> I'm going to muscle through it anyway. You can do it. Wait, are you sure you're not Canadian, Panda? (laughs) Secretly, I've been Canadian Panda this entire episode. (laughs) I just apologize. (laughs) Sorry. Whatever. It's truly the Canadian Panda. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We are all Canadian Panda. (laughs) Maybe the Canadian Panda was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Do they have health care? Because I feel like that's a major. Yeah, they, they all have health care, okay? Okay. What is this health God, I do wish I could be the Canadian panda. <laughs> yeah, Canada, we're, we're lucky Canada. up here, but this is getting kind of off topic. Anyway. We're, we, are all, we haven't even started and we're already out of hand. Okay, so we left off. We had talked about the Elegancers and the original like team concept. For Revolutionary Girl Utena. I think at that time it was still called Revolutionary Girl Utena Kiss or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys said that there's a bit of a gap between when that concept was being floated around and when Utena would start to take the shape of resembling what it ended up turning out to be. Mm-hmm. So where do we begin with that? I feel like like it's kind of hard to piece together a specific timeline, but sure. there's like this point where Utena and Anthe are decided to be different people, and they're decided to be the center of the story, and that seems to be around where you lost the kiss as well. And I feel like that's where it starts taking shape a lot more and it also sounds like that's also when Saito got involved more yeah definitely yeah because like it's like like there's all of these little things in the notes about how Saito was kept from a lot of the details of production (laughs) just kind of trolled the fuck away but well I mean like the divisions were different like she was in charge of the manga and that was her Mm -hmm. job um Apparently, there was a lot of the anime that she didn't even see until afterwards. Until, like, yeah. it aired. Um, but she was still consulted on pretty much everything, as yeah. far as I can tell. 
It's just that what they did with consulting her didn't necessarily like, pass by her before it made to the screen. Like the drama of what color everyone's outfits are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> out of curiosity, mm-hmm. I've always wondered how much of Saito being kind of not privy to things was intentional and how much of it was just because they were in two different departments and didn't necessarily communicate very well. Uh, it's really hard to say because it's not like we can say, well, I mean, Ikuhara 65% meant to keep her out and the rest was unintentional. Um, I'm expecting it's some kind of like bizarre, like meta thing where like actually Saito is the real Utena of the Utena production. This is like 3D chess on their part. Um, Ikuhara would say something like that, wouldn't he? Yeah. He would. <laughs> I, would, I, would I would eat that shit up. And, and, but you know what? In a lot of the interviews where Ikuhara and Saito are both present, Saito bitches in every single one about how she was, like, kept from things and stuff. And they, she has this, like, tee-hee kind of attitude about it, but you can tell it graded on her really bad because she has to bring it up every chance she gets. Yeah, um, but uh, as far as how, how much, how much of it was intentional, like, I think probably rather more than, um, than not, it was probably unintentional just because mm-hmm. of scheduling factors. Like, she had her own shit to do. Yeah. Like, and she was, I like, mean, dealing with her editors and all this kind of nonsense yeah. that Ikuhara just straight up well, didn't have to do. And also, with. like, think about how horrifying. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but um, what it's like to be a mangaka is, like, horrifying four hours of sleep a night kind of stuff. I've definitely like, heard that it is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, yeah like, <clears throat> I, I actually saw somebody's schedule once and I was like, Damn, nope. that looks like me when I have insomnia. Like, literally, okay, tonight I'm just not gonna sleep, kind of thing. Well, it, it kind of like, makes sense, because fuck? she's, like, busy producing yeah. the manga, and meanwhile, Ikuhara and his little camp are working on the anime, and that's just by nature a group project, whereas mm-hmm. manga is not. Yeah. So, like, I can kind of see where there would have been a natural divide between the two, but I mm-hmm. think it also ended up getting used deliberately to yeah. give Saito that kind of distant veto power yeah because like it's clear that in in at times that she's the one that kind of shows up and be like okay you two need to slow the fuck down yeah no no dragons (laughs) no guns like she's she ends up behaving kind of the voice of reason and such but somebody had to be yeah yeah absolutely Somebody need to babysit these strange eldritch children running They are, yes. Uh, (laughs) The rest of them are all children. I don't know. You know what's knocking around in my head right now is just the fact that I just read an interview with Ikuhara where he had a raccoon and he was- Oh, I looked at that one. Yeah. You know what's great about that raccoon one is that is like the most he ever says about episode 33 and the entire conversation about episode 33 that Ikuhara has on record is like him bantering back and forth with a raccoon that may or may not actually be there. I don't know. (laughs) Do you guys want to go a little more into the thing about the raccoon? Yeah, about the raccoon. Hey, what the fuck? (laughs) So apparently he had a pet raccoon. 
Again, I don't know whether that's actually raccoon that was a real raccoon at all, or it was like like a standee of a raccoon, or some sort of imagined or just Ikuhara pointing to an empty space and going, "That's a raccoon." Yeah, (laughs) there might have been, there might not have been, but presumably, like apparently, he had a pet raccoon that you know we did. I, I kind of do too, and then yeah. you know he asked it about episode thirty three. Oh no! Don't forget the the raccoon's name was Iro Iro, which means various things. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Ikuhara. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like I, so. Honestly, uh, I was too distracted by the raccoon yeah. thing to absorb much about episode thirty three. So you're gonna have to feel <laughs> that part of it. But yeah, like like. Basically, Ikuhara has this glorious way of just dodging the fuck out of every stern question asked of him. Yeah. And the entire conversation is framed around this raccoon that does various things and is named various things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, that's what episode 33 is about, various things. And I'm like, that a raccoon does? <laughs> <laughs> What did he actually say, though? Do, like, do you know how messy those things are in an enclosed space? Because I'm from Florida. I've had raccoons in enclosed spaces. You shoot them. Mm-hmm. You don't take them to bed. Please don't imply that Ikuhara fucked a raccoon. Thanks. <laughs> I wasn't going... I was actually going to aggressively not say that. Well, <laughs> you're you welcome, it, sweetie. And now it's there in the world. And that's a thing that we have to publish now. <laughs> I mean... You put that evil out into the universe. Look, uh, you can always cut that part, but do you really want to? I could, to? but I won't. I know. You don't want to. But but yeah, so the raccoon exists. I remember reading somewhere that Choo Choo is kind of like... Well, but I mean, like, what what did he say about episode three? Nothing. Okay. Sweet fuck all. That's oh, what I'm okay. saying. Is like he's asked about episode 33, and you're like, oh shit, I wonder what he's gonna say about this. And he says nothing. He's bantering back and forth with the raccoon, being like, hey raccoon, what do you think of it? And the raccoon says, says various dot, things. Dot, dot. Yeah, like, and that's it. Like, that's yeah. all you get. It's like, yep. thanks. That was helpful. Yay. That was helpful. Yeah. That's, that's the eco. See, if only you could understand the raccoon, you would know the secrets. Yeah. I, I just think Ikuhara is, like, aggressively dead as the author. Yeah. Like, he just yeah. aggressively just refuses to answer questions. That said, the, the Mickey thing, in one of the uh, interviews, he just straight up says that it's the time of the length of the line before. Yeah. And I saw someone on Twitter say they tested that a couple times, and that does hold up. Cool. Ooh. Wait, wait, what now? Right. Uh, so, when Miki uses the stopwatch, <clears throat> it's the length of the last piece of dialogue. Or the last sentence. I can't remember. But that would make sense because as a director, that's the kind of thing you have to time with your animation and your storyboard and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So Miki is, like, functioning as kind of a storyboarder. Okay. Okay. You're like... That's surprisingly coherent. Go back to being obsessed with the stopwatch, but you did. You did. You did that. I'm I'm sorry. But I I think I'm actually going to go test To use our stopwatch jingle. I'm gonna test it. I think I'm gonna go putz around and, and actually try it. I kind of liked th- I liked the musical explanation better, but we'll go with that one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The musical explanation is way more fun. It is. It is. It is way more fun. Way more fun. But um. Uh, but yeah. 
Um, so that's the one the one piece of concrete information we've gotten from Ikuhara so far. Yeah. Despite the fact that we've spent hours <laughs> reading. And as far as, like, things that didn't show up in the show, because there's, like, things that are in the show, but you're not shown those things, like Toga's history. Um, yeah, this uh, this episode is going to come out before the Toga episode, but we do talk about mm-mm. the stuff that happens with the stuff that happened with Toga in that episode. Well, you know, actually, the timing is really good because this is side material that never made it in. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a good thing to to keep in mind before listeners go into that episode. Is that this the Toga's background as a CSA victim is it's explicit in the movie. It's never made explicit in the series. Um, I've heard Janae's takes on why, like whether it actually happened, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Um, Did someone but... bring up the groaner with the hair at the party? Oh, we oh. did talk about that. We talked okay. about that. Yeah. Groan. Okay. okay. Groan. Anyway. But, um... I guess not a spoiler, but a teaser for next week. Yeah. Horrifying yeah. <laughs> things. <laughs> I mean... See, a scene recontextualized in a way that breaks my it- heart and also makes me very upset. <laughs> makes it worse. Well... Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a joke on the Discord. It's depressing Toga thoughts. TM. TM. <laughs> I see y'all do that. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Any discussion of Toga eventually ends. Eventually in ends in somebody. Depressing. Yeah. Just, Which, it just goes dark places. Actually, I do have a note semi tangentially related to that. Okay. In, in some interview somewhere uh, with Ikuhara and Anikito, it is made explicitly clear that the friendship is. Uh, something only fools believe, et cetera, et cetera, line, is explicitly Anikito's. Yeah. Iguhara vetoes that he would ever have written that line because he's too much of an idiot. Like, that's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> he's too stupid to write a line like that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, like, I, I just can't see him doing that. Well, yeah, I and mean, then Anikito that... says something like, how do I make friends? Someone tell me how to make friends after that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's... Um, well, yeah. I mean, the, the use of idiot there is really interesting i i read that and i saw that too and i was like oh he's definitely calling back to all the times he calls ushna an idiot everybody calls ushna an idiot no but i mean ikuhara is the one who explicitly says he designed her to be an an idiot idiot. yeah and i'm like oh yeah that's a callback yeah that doesn't say that's why explicitly why he likes her yes yeah oh yeah oh yeah and like and 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 enukito's got all of like basically wrote a lot of these lines, like, especially from Toka, is a counterpoint to that. Whether yep. correct or not, whether you agree or not, he's the anti utina Don't ask me, because then this will be a Toga episode. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, yeah. so the whole, the whole CSA history that Enokido gives is, yes, that was supposed to be canon in the series. It was Okay, so explored. it was supposed to be in the show, but it just didn't end up in there. Yeah. yeah, kind of like okay. it's kind of a subtext thing. Um, I think very, it's very, very, very obvious subtext obvious. versus like um, Ikuhara says in in earlier interviews that as far as he was concerned, he had intended for Utena and Anthe to be a couple in the original in the series. Mm-hmm. However, 
he also kind of says that that's not how it necessarily got presented because, and this is like the thing that everyone puts it like Saito's feet or whatever, but it was decided that that was probably not the best way to get this show on the air. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing where you can be like, the subtext is there, therefore it's there. Or you can be like, the subtext is there, but it's not... But it's not explicit. It's not explicit. So the only time it, it is explicit is in things that aren't actually like happening in world, like the ending credits and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. So, the the reason I ask is because in the Toga episode, I did mention that I thought that I had read somewhere that it was supposed to be canon, but or it was supposed to be present in the show, but it never was. And I think I did attribute it to an Enokido interview, but I mm-hmm. yeah. didn't fact check that statement when I said it. So this is me fact checking now. And for the listeners, it will be me in the past fact checking <laughs> for me in the future. Nice. <laughs> well, I suspect the reason that Toga's backstory got left out is because Takehiro Koyasu, his seiyu, could not be on Utena for season two. Or ever. Oh, yeah, I think uh, I think that did get mentioned in the episode as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we don't know so... whether that, like, what that had to do with anything or not. I It's one of those things where I think it probably comes out better not having it be abundantly clear. But yeah. I mean, like, if you, you know, know anything about behavior, like, child behavior and victimization, I, then, I yeah, you know that there's definitely some bad shit going down in Toga's head. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> next week. Exactly. But, yeah. Next week on Imagine Me and Utena. <laughs> sad Toga Thoughts, TM. Yeah. We need, like, Toga a little thoughts. musical cue for Sad Toga Thoughts. We do. <laughs> sad but, Thoughts yeah. with Toga Thoughts. It's just me going, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the sound effect. I like it. Yep. Uh, we need to, anyway. at some point, <laughs> elucidate what we are talking about when we reference Choo Choo Crying Tears of Sayonji. Yeah, right. Uh, hey, what does that mean? <laughs> so, so this is one of the things that did not end up in the series. Or one of the, the original plan for the ending credits, uh, is the, they're talking about the first ending credits that end up like the big fucking spoiler if you're actually watching it yeah um the original i oh no wait no wait i i just read that it's not the first ending credits i don't think that they wanted that to be it was they wanted to they wanted it to be virtual star oh and then they sexed it up instead well okay. i mean they heard virtual star and they were like no this doesn't match this no. doesn't match our no, choo crying this. tears anyway so the original plan for that ending sequence sorry was like a very like zoomed in picture of Choo Choo's face, right? And you were going to have the different characters like appear in his eyes and stuff. So you were going to have like Anthe in, in Choo Choo's eyeball and Sanji in Choo Choo's eyeball. And one of the like samp- like the storyboarded pictures that they drew for it, like as like a test, has Choo Choo crying with the characters in his eye and like a tear coming down. It's the most fucking emo thing ever. And I'm just <laughs> imagining Choo Choo with like black makeup on. That's I love it. Really uniquely bad. Someone give us a choo-choo emo edit. <laughs> Goth choo-choo. Uh, and it, it sa- honestly, it sounds like a complete disaster, so I'm glad they didn't do it. <laughs> but I, I feel like that doesn't really accord with the tone of anything. Well, I mean, that's that's what they realized. Yeah, that's what so they, they realized took that out. about Virtual Star, was that it was, no, 
there was no way that that no. was going to match that up. That could that. have worked in a version of, of Revolutionary Girl Utina where they did Omaki pieces, which yeah. I always found really strange that that was absent. Because, like, yeah, back in that The 90s era, were, like, the heyday yeah. of fucking Omaki. Yeah, you're right. If your yeah. shoujo series especially was more than 26 episodes, almost every episode would end with, like, the chibi Omaki joke thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Fushigi Yugi and, like, all of those. It was such a fucking trope. Prevalent piece of garbage. And I'm kind yeah, of especially, like, like, the manga. Like, you were supposed yeah. to have those, a ton of those. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was super surprised Utina didn't have it. And instead we have the completely out of world blunt ass previews of the next episode where Anthe says just straight up shit she's thinking instead of mm-hmm. shit that anyone wants Utina to remember hearing. Yeah. And... Like, doesn't she say she hates you? Yeah, Utena? she says, I hate yeah. you. She like it's yeah. it's precious and I love it. And that is the omaki for Utina. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> That is our omaki, is we get even more bitter, angry Anthony, and I'm, like, there for it. I mean, I'm good with that. I but if, if you had, Anthony. like, after the ending credits, you had something where it was, like, you know, chibi car crash, like, all this kind of stuff, then maybe the choo-choo ending would have made more sense. <laughs> but. Also, we never got a beach it. episode. Yeah, someone brought, yeah, we have no beach. But thank fucking God for that, because do we want a beach episode? Only a little bit, yes. but given Utena, I think the answer is no, I don't. Don't. I definitely I mean, want I, a beach I do episode. want to see, because I feel like it would be an adventure. But would it be good? No. No. No, it definitely wouldn't. No, wait, you know what? Okay, it's one of those things that would be either complete trash or the most amazing mind-blowing thing in the world (laughs) actually this kind of like segues into one of the the things that gets brought up in more than one interview actually about production so it gets brought up because because people ask ikuhara about like you know your villain crashes through a fucking glass wall at one point and you're supposed to kind of roll with it why 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 so, <laughs> and and Ikuhara talks about us like even like early in production, there was this really fine line between engagement with the material and absurdity that pulls you out of it. Yeah, and doesn't he say something like he wants people to laugh, but he doesn't want people laughing like, at, at it. it? Yeah, they want you laughing with the internal like line of logic and the internal comedy of it, but. He, his goal was to, at no point are you supposed to, like, look at it and be like, this is so fucking stupid and get pulled out of the experience yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Um, apparently he had a lot of trouble with Akio's voice actor about the car jump over this because they couldn't see eye to eye on whether that was supposed to be played straight or not. Yeah. Did, that's Fair. where the toe thing Yeah, that's that's from. where you ended up with toe was, I think that was the, yeah, what okay, they um, started with. Just for clarification here. Please. Um, we don't mean <laughs> we don't mean toe as in foot toe. Um, toe is what uh, Muviakio says when he jumps over the car. Yeah. Wait, he he does? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He goes toe. Yeah. He I made, yeah. Oh. I rewatched the movie. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not gonna. But y'all, I've yeah. only <laughs> ever watched the movie in English. Oh, okay, well... Well, I don't know what happens t- there. Akio gets but. a different voice actor, and it's, like, some, like, kind of fuckboyish yeah. musician guy. But anyway, <laughs> but but it but sounds line, like... Yeah. it. What it sounds like, at least, is that um, originally when they were doing the car jump 
for the first, like for the series, that that was where Jirota Kosugi wanted to play that, like, or thought he was supposed to thought play he it was as supposed a joke. to play it as a joke, and he and that's where Toe first came in. Yeah, and so I guess like, they no. decided to use that in the movie because Aki was a joke in the movie. Yeah, but in the yeah. show, <laughs> but in the show, like, and it's kind of interesting because at, for me and and. Yasha, anyway, we have like 20 years of cynicism built up around the show. So at this point, I think a lot of the stuff that he didn't mean for us to just laugh at, we kind of just laugh at. I mean, in in hindsight, all the Rose things just kind of delight me now. Like, at first they were like mystical, but now they're just like funny as hell. Now it's just like LOL. (laughs) But, But it was interesting, like, like, and this is something he worried about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from, like, he worried about it being considered, like, a Rose of Versailles knockoff. And he worried about dancing that, like, fine line between absurdity as part of the world that, that you engage with and absurdity as, like, this is so stupid, I'm laughing at this show. And it's kind of interesting to think about, like, how well he accomplishes that or doesn't. To be honest, he pretty, pretty well, I yeah, think he does like, pretty well with it. Like, I feel like it, it, for the most part, you do pretty well just sort of being like, like, it kind of goes into that whole whether or not you accept the internal logic of the the show, which came out interesting last year when we were at OdaFest. We screened the last run of the of the series on its yeah. own. And we had a f- couple people show up that had never seen the show before. <laughs> so they're just diving into the apocalypse arc. What was that like (laughs) so when they get to like the flashing sexy stripping camera they're like what the fuck is this i mean to be fair that was also my reaction (laughs) but but was it though because i feel like when i i remember watching the series and the thing about that is by the time you see the magic stripping camera you've had all of this shit beforehand to like desensitize you to it so when you see it you're like yeah no that makes sense that's consistent yeah with i mean you, sure, you're right yeah, i, I was you know. doing that for the joke but yeah at that point you're totally desensitized to all this yeah weird yeah jokes. like and i mean the show shirt makes has you been... accept it as not humorous is just yeah, yeah reasonable yeah well i mean you get prepped for it yeah but if you're watching has been flying open (laughs) for like every single car ride before then so Mm -hmm. it's just a natural evolution of the shirt flying open Mm -hmm. thing yeah to to suddenly have shirts flying open when a camera flashes and you've seen toga yoga so you know that's all exactly af akio's shirt being open on the car i wish i could go back and watch just the apocalypse art but with zero context because it would be way more fun I think it would be like they had yeah. a blast, but it was interesting because like that is where this broke down, and that's where you got the no, this is just absurd. We're laughing at it if you hadn't seen everything leading up to it, and I yeah. can totally see how that ended up, how that ended up panning out. Um, but, but yeah, what the fuck is this? Wasn't it like some? I don't know. I was kind of drunk at that point, so. <laughs> um, we were in the drinking room, by the way, so that wasn't helping anything. But, like, mid-episode, we were, like, people were, like, trying to explain to them, shouting over the rest yeah. of it to, to explain like, well, what's you, going on. How do you explain stripping camera? Like, <laughs> how do you explain any of this? Like, you yeah. don't. 
Like, how do you, you don't. You just sort of. I mean, either they're going to watch the rest of the show or not. I think the girl that that was cosplaying Anthony was the one that ended up explaining a lot of it to them. You know, the one that just walked up to me and said, fuck you. (laughs) And that's how we met. Yeah. You deserved that. Yeah, I was, I was, I was flying Akio colors. So, in a yeah. red shirt oh, yeah. and purple tie. <laughs> yeah. As you do. <laughs> I wouldn't call it cosplay. But <laughs> well, I mean. Oh, I've seen that one. It's, it definitely counts. It counts. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. She like, just walked up to me and went, fuck you. And I'm like, cool. You okay. deserve that one. <laughs> I did. I did. But yeah. So there was this whole like idea that they wanted to be absurd in a way that Ikuhara and crew hadn't been before. Because the other thing was um, a lot of the staff aside from Ikuhara, either he was pulling staff off of Sailor Moon, but that was mostly just Ikuhara. Not a lot of people followed him from there, but Enokido pulled a couple, but a lot uh, Enokido had just come off of Evangelion and he brought a few of the staff members like storyboard artists and stuff with him. And it ended up being this thing where you see, like, little bits where Ikuhara and Nikita were like, we want to do not Sailor Moon and not Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. both play their premises fairly straight, especially Evangelion. Um, so you ended up with this whole mood of, not mockery, but, uh, I don't know how to put it, but it gets into that whole thing about, like, like how when you look at Saito's manga and then you look at the show, you see a lot of references, a lot of duplicated scenes, a lot of content that's exactly the same. But when the show depicts it, there's like kind of a deliberate or not bemused cynicism around it that Saito doesn't have because she plays things very straight. And I think whether they meant to or not, that's where they got into the whole, this is a teardown of shoujo tropes instead of a like send off or part of that. Like I'm not, I'm not, trying to um negate what you're saying i'm actually trying to amplify it because i don't think that's really where it came in although that's where it started to get very strong Mm -hmm. i think that it's that was built in right from the beginning yeah that was built in in the way that they created the whole premise of the show because they were like okay we want to make a magical girl show but we want to take everything that is magical girl out of it yeah we want to just remove all of that. And he talks about how um, they removed almost every trace of magical girl tropes from it and then had to add some back in afterwards. Oh, yeah. They talk about it, uh, the process of Utena being about adding and subtracting. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's yeah. like this talk of he wanted it to be the ultimate shoujo yeah. everything. Yeah. But that kind of process, I think probably that that's that's gonna almost inevitably result in deconstruction though because you, when you're trying to remove all of those ele- elements and see i almost said elephants i got those surfing elephants on my mind <laughs> but <laughs> when you're trying to remove all those elements and see what's left afterwards like that in itself is deconstruct like deconstructing what's going on like what makes this a magical girl um, what is what anime. what is magical girl? Anime? Yeah, mm-hmm. what makes it into? Are you guys familiar with the idea of um, the ship of Theseus? Uh yes, yes. I yes. remember you know that. that is Panda. Yeah, okay. I do. For any listeners who don't, um, the way the ship of Theseus works is it's a question. Like, if you have a ship, 
and you replace the prowl, it's probably still the same ship, right? But mm -hmm. if you keep replacing parts of it, inevitably, inevitably you get a point where you've replaced every part. But is it the same ship? And at what point was it not the same ship? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We kind of throw the term deconstruction around pretty, oh, wow. not here <laughs> specifically, but just in general, mm -hmm. with a little bit too much. You um, have no idea how much that annoys me. Anyway, yeah. go on. But this is, but I think it's actually valid here because the act of doing that, the act of Theseus is shipping a a work of media, a work of art, to the point where you're deliberately fucking around with the supposed universal of magical girl or supposed universal of genre or concept is you're right it's inherently deconstructive it was always going to be this as soon as they decided that was a thing they wanted mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what's interesting about that like what, what i'm kind of and again i can only speak to this you know secondhand because i haven't sat through it yet mm -hmm. but this is starting to sound very much like the the test run of that like major theme in Yurikumo where it's about the depiction of this this Wait, before you say anything, remember, no spoilers. No spoilers. However, it is fairly well I think known that that it's about Yuri anime and and Yuri content, but the problem of it being for men and depicted by men and and having it entirely yeah. like the, the judged gate, by men literally the gatekeepers of yeah. women's media are all men are all men and that's kind of starting to feel like that's that that utina is similar in that theme is a test run because that's where you start getting a lot of the and ikuhara is the one that's got like the whole boner for this language is the the whole systems and the system of the patriarchy and the system of this and the system of that. And that sounds like that's where you started getting the system as a relevant character almost is where you started deconstructing it. But the moment you deconstruct it, it's like, okay, but who's deconstructing it? And they decided to put that in world as it's deconstructing itself or something almost. That said, when I say the patriarchy, I don't necessarily mean the system because they're different things, and and even in an interview, someone says Akio is not the patriarchy Anthea's. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the notes that you have here that yeah. I was most interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually just Kaneko. I think that's the yeah. producer, yeah. one of the producers. Um, probably one of the big three as far as like the anime is concerned. <sighs> yeah. Well, I can kind of see where they're going with that. I'm, I, yeah. I, that's the kind of thing that I feel like you're gonna ruminate on a while to figure out exactly how to respond to. Yeah, it's it's something I kind of had to chew over while I was reading it. Oh, it's and like super easy to. It's well, I don't know the the whole. Hmm, this goes back to to me to something that I have been saying for many many years that old women are the best friends of the patriarchy yeah oh and absolutely yeah and anthe is that anthe old woman. is anthe well it is that old woman well like the really blunt and and gruesome example is you know it's it's usually the mother that brings their daughter to have fgm done to them yeah things like that mm. like it's fgm it's, standing for female genital yeah. mutilation for our listeners oh. fun also yeah. referred yeah. to as female circumcision. Yeah. 
But it, it is the women that tend to perpetuate yeah. the power structure the patriarchy works on because they're 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 perpetuating what power they did manage to scrap up for themselves. Like it's not like it's not like you're cackling evilly. It's that's to them the best chances they have for their for themselves and their children because they haven't even uh, conceived of a version of society where they can do better than FGM and marrying being one of like four wives or or whatever or a broodmare or a rose bride for example yeah they can't really conceive of a better life for themselves so they perpetuate the system that exists and kind of scrabble within it that's i think where the whole anthe is the patriarchy more than akio is thing comes in which yeah. that definitely showed up somewhere around the deconstruction stage because that's not a subtext that shows up in shoujo no, no. Because <laughs> the old women are very often absent in shoujo. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, if you're a woman in shoujo, you're going to be a young woman. Yeah, like, I just assumed it was a trope of shoujo, like, understood that, like, all women die at 20-something, and that's why you never see them. Disney princesses all have dead mothers. Yeah. Yes. That thing. Same idea, I think. Yeah. You can't have the girls growing up story fit comfortably around older women that would go and bang it all up that's like a huge thing also in the i can't remember the name of the genre but like girl gets yanked into other world fushigi oh, yugi that one yeah escaflown etc etc and uh, and and maybe utina to some extent has a little bit of that in its in its yeah. like birth like it got pulled out of that, that? as a theme isekai isekai yeah I it, think. isekai yeah yeah well because- okay isekai is specifically with like I mean, I've only seen it specifically with sh- shows that are like, you're in a game or something, but yeah. it's the okay. same principle. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like Utina does have, like, some some elements, of, elements that. of that, and it definitely has some, like, scars of it, because, like, with the manga, the first piece of manga that you see, she's still with her aunt and blah, 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 blah and she gets pulled into the school later. Mm-hmm. And the show kind of doesn't really get into that much, but it's still almost this idea that that Utina got pulled out of a life elsewhere into Otori Academy. She got led there. And it's in that same sense, like this this idea of you going to another world where the rules don't apply, but more importantly, there's no adults around to make you do anything. Yeah. The problem is once there's no adults around, someone's going to take their place and then you have Lord of the Flies and yeah. Pan and well, but Labyrinth. I mean, not to not to play into the stereotype of a nerdy person getting their their butt kicked by high school, but that's pretty much what high school is like. I mean, adults are very inconsequential at that age. At least they, they were don't to me. Understand you, man? Yeah, <laughs> man. They just don't understand. They don't get what being a but teenager But I mean, think like. back, like, when you were in high school, how much attention did you actually pay to adults? And how much impact did they actually have on your life, aside from, like, going to school and having to do what your teachers told you and sometimes getting in trouble with your parents? Not nearly like... enough. <laughs> yeah. Not nearly enough. And if they did understand you, is that really such a good thing? Because that's that's where you get ends of the world. Yeah. Warrant, warrant. That's where that's when that shit starts to show up. So, but... like, that in that sense, I think Utina is pretty true to life. Actually, it, like mm-hmm. adults being completely absent is pretty much how I experienced those years in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and I mean, mine were a little more absent of adults than some, but still, like, even in the more normal parts, it was like, well, oh, it's just the whole a teacher, oh, it's just from. a, you know, mm-hmm. you just kind of dismiss them. They're just kind of inscom- inconsequential. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Utina kind of plays both sides on that, because on one hand, you have the, there's no adults around, and on the other hand, you have people that are standing as adults and, you know, more or less adults, but they're just broken beyond all conception of what an adult should look like. Yeah. Uh, Akio, yeah. Toga, and and the whole like and that kind of starts going into the the depiction of systems as like a major theme that I think probably wasn't originally planned because it doesn't seem like that was something that was in like the the bones of like elegancers and stuff, but it ends up being like everywhere well, in the show. I mean, the, it's not the touched systems, on in this. Yeah, it, that's that's something I think that would start when you when you start tearing away all the shoujo yeah. tropes. You end from up with this structure, and you're anime. like, "What am I going to call this structure that's left over?" And it's yeah. basically the system, which has a couple like kind of funny notes that we wrote here. Like for some reason, I wrote Tatsuya decided to root from her from the sidelines, and that's considered him accepting the system. I read part of that in uh, I as I was flipping past the. Uh, episode commentaries yeah yeah did you like those episode commentaries by the way i okay i didn't really read them because i knew that we weren't really going to be talking about them very much and i was trying to focus more on reading things i thought we were going to be talking about but i did happen to look at a couple of them and i especially i read the one for the last episode and Mm -hmm. look they don't really help (laughs) But I enjoyed reading the ones that I did, and I find them to be very interesting. Oh, yeah. but They just don't provide a whole lot of insight. Well, yeah, most of them do not. I don't know. I would argue that they provide a lot of insight, but they don't necessarily talk about the episode exactly. They only talk about the episode in like a sideways kind of Mm -hmm. way. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. I just remember you saying that you you kind of skipped all of the episode commentary be- before because you were, like, expecting regular episode commentary. Well, the yeah. reason I the reason I hadn't looked at this book was because I didn't realize how much was in it until you guys started talking about it. Because, like I said, usually when you have a booklet with stuff for a blu-ray they don't really put as much effort into it as this was yeah normally you just get like some basic episode descriptions and maybe some art if they're feeling generous (laughs) nope this is is a a tome truly it's uh yeah well i mean but yeah that's that's the explanation they give me because that's one of the ones that's pretty straightforward is that they meant to depict Tatsuya as the person who has no path because he's accepted the conditions of the system by, like, deciding to quietly root for a walkabout in the background, which gets into that whole thing, and this has been consistent in all of the interviews, everyone thinks they've depicted a good guy. Oh my god. We need to get into this. I saw that. We need to get into this because this is related to another thing. And also, we're not doing a Tatsuya episode, so of, we might as well. Of depicting no, a shoujo all, story. There's also not enough there for an episode. But no. no. So, do you, when you see this, do you see this as what we, what we're seeing, do you think we are seeing the same things that they are seeing, or that 
and that they see those things as good? Or do you think that this is a case of they saw something that we're not seeing and they thought they saw that thing and thought it was good? Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna ooh. Okay, we're gonna stay with Tatsuya for a second here. Creator fallibility as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Creator fallibility. It's just basically whenever you hear about Tatsuya, they call him they'll call him ineffectual or whatever, but they treat him generally as a good person. Again, like we went over in the walkabout episode, we have reasons now to see him as not. They do this again with episode 33. And one of the ones in specific that I read was talking about episode 33 and episode 34. As in, episode 34 is when Utena is told, someday you're going to become a woman and you'll forget all of this. Which is what happened in the last episode. Is it... Is it Ikuhara that's talking then? I can't remember. I can't remember who is actually being interviewed there. I think it's Ikuhara, actually. Uh, Yeah, I think it is Ikuhara. But they explicitly say that Utena's... That in episode 33, Utena became a woman. Mm. Yikes. And that's another thing that throughout all of the interviews is not portrayed the way we see it, which is statutory rape, manipulation, (laughs) holy shit, that's bad. And in both cases, it's kind of this situation where now you have to question the the fallibility of the people that created the show, because between that and Tatsuya, like... They're pretty firm in in that they think Tatsu's a good guy and Utena's being made a woman and they genuinely don't seem to be like addressing or aware of their own subtext there. Yeah. And I kinda wonder if they noticed it or not, or if it's genuinely something that they just couldn't see at the time that just got very obvious to everyone over time, but at the same I don't know. We all saw that when we first watched the show ourselves. I, yeah, I was very disturbed like, by that episode. And that episode is framed very disturbingly. But then you go to the you go to the interviews and everybody's like, Oh, well, um Utena had a romantic encounter with Akio. Yeah. Or Utena became a woman that day, or that kind of thing. It becomes and like, how just... much value do you want to give what the creators yeah. have to say when it's yeah. clearly like, yeah, did you even know what you just did? Yeah. Like, that's. And if it were, like, Tatsuya on his own would not be, I feel like I, it would still be not be great, but I would. Oh, God. Like, it, that would be not as bad if it were not in tandem. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the two, th- like, on top of each other, they don't, it's not a good look. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I mean, like, mm, how men should address women as it's addressed in Utena is problematic if that's how they feel the answers should have gone. Well, I mean... Fucking yikes. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just staggered, kind of, to to be realizing that, um, that episode 33 is supposed to be somehow a, a good sexual encounter mm. because what I... are the parameters for a good sexual encounter with a 14 year old girl mm-hmm. that's probably i like i, I usually <laughs> joke when i say this but that actually is one of the worst things that's ever been said on our show 
Yeah. <laughs> like that's not but that is, time. It no, is but that is literally, I think, what we're asking when when nice. you ask that. Yeah. Like, and I think their answer, ooh. genuinely, on some level, was, well, she's not in pain, and she's wanted to be there, like. I, Somewhere in someone's mind, in the creation of this, this went well. I could Genuinely. see how someone might think that. Well, I mean, yikes. I've <laughs> we... met people who would think that, but they're bad. Yeah, they are bad and wrong, but... Yeah. But that is a subtext of the show, if that's... If the if the creators viewed it that way. Well, like, like let's also keep in mind that we got to put both the 90s glasses and the Japan glasses on. Yeah, that that is true. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it doesn't make it good, but it does no. make it more like how Explainable. do you wrap your head around it? Yeah. 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 You can at least understand how that happened and how people might mm-hmm. feel that way about it. It's it's one of those weird situations where like you look at Utsuna and say how does a show that so deeply and intimately understands abuse and what it is like from the inside, how do they make that show and then not see it here? But at the same time, I have to realize that without excusing that in any way, that think to myself, what, what things am I, do I do that about? And know Mm -hmm. that there are some, like there's always going to be, it doesn't excuse it, but it helps it contextualize and explain it. So it's not just like baffling. Like, no, the thing, people saying things like this happens because of material conditions. Yeah. And like, it's, it doesn't help that, like, when you think of the creators, you are implicitly, whether you mean to or not, thinking of them as Akio because they say that a lot. Well, they joke about it a lot. That. And they're all adult men. So you do that. But, well, barring Saito. Barring Saito. But, like, when you watch the show, I think it's probably worth keeping in mind that it's aimed at young girls in a society where they are told fairly explicitly in the culture that this is the thing to aim for. Like, having sex with adult men is a problem for young girls in Japan. They all get led down that path they very do often, and it's implied to be normal dating. and good and means yeah, you're valuable as a woman, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so, so what happens there is not exactly out of sync with what would be expected as romantic or aimed Well, for. and that's the thing, too, is a lot of shoujo goes with the older man and younger woman thing. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel like Yukuhara did what he couldn't do on Sailor Moon. <sighs> yeah. I don't, I mean... I don't know, like, there is already in Sailor Moon the romance between the young girl and the older man, and that's he I wanted mean. to kill him off. Yeah, and I feel like that's partly why. Like, if he couldn't just own what the implication is, I think he just wanted him out of the way. Yeah. But that actually, like, like going backwards now, because I have, like, a note here, too, um, that in another one of, because... I actually made notes for whenever the episode commentaries made any fucking sense, because I was always shocked when that happened. Gasp. There's only right? like four or five of them. Right? <laughs> and Utna's whole thing in episode 33, because that's her drive to end of the world, is a progression of, like, the comment that Ikuhara makes about episode 12 is that um, the whole moral of that story, which I think most of us bitch about a lot because we have a lot of problems with how episode 12 pans out, to be honest, or at least I do. 
mm-hmm. um, was Utenden needing to learn that things cost something. Interesting. Which is funny because that's what Toga learns from that episode way more than Utena. Revolutionary but... boy Toga. No. <laughs> yes. I, I would yes. watch that show, though. <laughs> oh, yes, Panda. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> but... But she learns she can't just have Anthe be what she wants from Anthe without it costing something. Yeah, like, there are two very different ways to take the things cost Yeah. Things. One of them is actually pretty good, and the other one is very suspicious. Yeah. Because, mm. like, if, if it means, like, if, if, if that's supposed to mean that, like, things cost, like, every, like, things have a cost, as in, like, you know your choices can make can be dangerous then well first off yeah duh and also second i mean it's not a bad thing to remind yourself like yeah like her decisions bad or good are always gonna you know sometimes they're gonna cost you something even when they're good decisions Mm -hmm. so that's fine but more it depends on if it's sort of being framed as this costs you something in a kind of like you do something that you shouldn't and now because i don't know that just doesn't that that's just weird it, it, i'm not sure how i feel about that as a reading it's kind of and I, I can't remember exactly where this comes up i think it's more like in like it's it's brought up somewhere in an interview somewhere but basically the the idea that for the most part i think with the black rose saga there might be exceptions here just given the nature of that arc but with the duelists especially when utina duels they duel over the same lesson and that's made, like, that's how they used, because, oh, I think it's Ikuhara that says this, there's this idea that all the characters are Utena, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, every time someone does something, like, every duel that you see in the first arc and in the Akio arc is over something that Utena has in common with them. And when you take that as, like, the framing device, something like you have to learn that things cost something in episode 12 makes a lot of sense, because that is clearly the lesson Toga just had to learn, is that he can't have his cake and fuck it too. So in that sense, they're learning the same thing, and how you react to learning that lesson is the difference between Utna, who ultimately comes a, a prince, whatever, and people that just kind of end up on the sidelines eating hibachi. I don't know how you expected me to focus on anything after have his cake and fuck it too. <laughs> <laughs> what a I mean, that's that's a um, that's annoying. what a turn of phrase. <laughs> it's what he tried to do. You <laughs> tried to you know, eat the fuck cake, is what you're telling. Me. <laughs> okay, you know how like we were just talking about like oh, there's this like certain degree of absurdity that you're supposed to just accept. That was a moment of of max absurdity where I laughed at the show. <laughs> When I first watched it, I'm like, oh my god, he seriously just spent, like, ten minutes tearing her ego down and shitting down her throat, and the next day he's like, bitch, wanna go on a date? Hey, you available on Sunday? And I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? Like, I know he's a preposterous ass, but dude... What you didn't see Uh, there, what you didn't see there is that when she was going, hey, you want to go on a date? She's actually poking me. Like, like it's it's just the most absurd fucking thing. And it's, that is so clearly the lesson that someone needs to learn here is that you you, you get one thing or the other. You can't juggle this many goals in life. Mm. But Utena is learning the same thing, just just way more subtly. (laughs) 
but that does end up, and I think like that's where you had the the like all these elegancers and all that started fading away, and you ended up with like a core group that all reflect Utina and Anthea and their journey, and that whole like the whole thing where Utina has to learn that things cost you made no sense to me until I thought of it in terms of what Toga learns from that episode. Mm-hmm. Like similarly, like with Miki's duel in that arc. He learns that just because you love something doesn't mean it's going to do what you want it to. And and Uten is kind of learning that too at that point because she's thinking of Anthe as someone that's going to, like, whether she means to or not, she's drank the Kool-Aid. Anthe's going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Like, she drinks it pretty quickly. <laughs> they make that so much clearer in the in the musical. Like, they I, do. I love the yeah. way they do that in the musical. Anyway. But... But yeah, like that's and that's that's I guess part of that whole framing device and how they ended up deciding that Uten and Anthe were really the core characters of this story because it started out I think is more of an ensemble and there's definitely an ensemble here, but at the end of the day everybody else is just an accessory to yeah. the core cast and that's like rubbed all up in your face in the ending because literally the whole rest of the cast is in the fucking sidelines for the final episode. They don't even know what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. instrumentality happens off screen for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it is It is kind of jarring just how, like, the show is so broad and so ensemble and then all of a sudden it's just the, the razor judge of a knife. There's only room for two people at a time. Yeah. And I, I actually love it about that because it does kind of feel true to life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it works, too. Occam's lesbians. Yes, it's Occam's lesbians. Nice. Thank you, thank you. It'll be a whole That's, episode. That, I, I like that. <laughs> Occam's lesbians. That's good. Well, that's how you ended up with the movie. Yeah. Yeah? It was The movie yep. was Occam's Le- and I'm not sure I like it better for that. <laughs> But the movie exists. Didn't they? Didn't they say somewhere in the the interviews somebody was saying that they started with the end of the movie? Yeah, that they like planned everything around the end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's because a pretty wanted, spectacular ending. Yeah, he wanted oh, yeah. her to turn into a car. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, his... in the movie, Utena turns <laughs> into a car. Fuck mm-hmm. you, man! God, I hate that man. Right. Um <laughs> I'm just trying to remember how many times I've yelled fuck you, Yukuhara, while reading this stuff. The car is a very good uh representation of why I don't like the movie. Though. The car is a metaphor. The In car this show is the best metaphor, actually. <laughs> no. I mean I just, no, I no, 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 hold on. The car <laughs> is the best part of the movie. The car is in fact one of the best things in Utsuna. Because not only does it A not make sense. B is dumb as hell. C like <laughs> is distracting as hell, and D is gay as hell. But it's a microcosm of what Utina is. But like, it also completely it, breaks its own premise. Nonsensical, exactly. dumb, distracting, and gay. Exactly. Then making it even more perfectly Utina. Well, like in the show, the car is like a representation of the access the power structure has, but it explicitly just drives in circles, like. It's about how you can't leave 
your your environment in a fucking car, even though it feels like you can because adults drive cars. And then in the movie, it's like, no, no, you can totally leave with a car. Drive on, bitch. You go, girl. It's like, yeah, but it, no, but it's a different I metaphor. Know. I know it's a different it's a metaphor, different but it feels meta- like a cheaper one. Ugh. It's a cheaper metaphor. You're a cheaper metaphor. <laughs> I'll, I'll nice, <laughs> nice. I am the cheapest fucking metaphor, to be honest. But uh, so there's like this story where Ikuhara just showed up during the production of the Utena movie with a picture of the Batmobile. Yes, yeah. please. And he's like, go on about the car <laughs> being inspired by the Batmobile. We have a picture here in our <laughs> chat. I will have to post this uh, when we put this episode up. You do that. But like, so the 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 designers and all are like, what the fuck with this idea of having everybody turn into a car, especially Utena. And he's like, no, no, no. And he slaps down a picture of the Batmobile. He's like, this is the Utina car. And now that I've read that, I'm like, yeah, that, that, yeah, yep, that, that, that sure is the Batmobile from the first Batman. I can yeah. see it. Yeah. It is absolutely the Batmobile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in the shape of the windshield. Yep. I yep. believe you, you mean the Rosemobile. Yes, this is the Rosemobile. <laughs> Are you getting any further into it than that? Because I actually really loved what what happened as you read along there. Well, how the guy was basically like, he. so I drew the Batmobile, and then Ikuhara was like, no, 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 that's too normal. <laughs> Make that's it more extra. Normal. The Batmobile yeah. is too normal. Okay, no, here, here's the thing. This is from an unrelated interview. One of the, I think, the background designer for the whole show i think it was that guy was saying in his interview that um they knew that they had done well when the reaction was uh when the reaction ikuhara had to their work was are you sure i'm not sure you can put that on television (laughs) Um, and and they knew that they had done badly when he was like oh well that's 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 okay. Nice. That's that's pretty normal. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. That's that's pretty normal. <laughs> go and back so to they the would like board. go back and do it over again. Hi, my name's Ikuhara, and if I'm not worried I'm gonna lose everything by putting this on TV, I don't wanna put it there. That's exactly. right. <laughs> so You know, I think so, this whole these whole these two podcasts could totally be summed up in in the the sad tragedy of B Pub is trying to create the show before the phrase extra became a yes. thing. Oh god, you're yeah. right. That is true. Like can you Yeah, can you imagine how much easier all of this would have been if all he had to do was be like, no, more extra. Yeah. Just just more extra. Oh my god. The steering wheel needs to be more extra. Put some fucking spikes on it. Yep. Anyway, so so that's what that's what happened with the car. I think he actually explicitly says, "Yeah," and Ikuhara's like, "Oh, but that looks pretty normal." Mm-hmm. And so then he goes back and he like asks for inspiration from a bunch of the other people, and somebody's like, uh, "I think Enokido." He said Enokido was like, "Oh, think about carriages and and high heels and things yeah, like that." The high and so heel he people. like redesigns the car so that part of it looks like a high heel and he like puts the the carriage wheels on it and 
um, makes the, you know, when it's in it's like three pronged mode, how <laughs> like they're horses and yeah. the two horses on the sides are Utina and they're, they're carrying Anthe forward, but then the horse on the front is Anthe and she's, you know, and it's Jeez. just like, oh my God. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's I just really wanted to relate that a little bit because it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm I'm sad that the spikes didn't end up on the steering wheel. Yeah. Because so, there was this whole big thing about how the spikes were like, oh well, the price of grasping revolution yeah. is pain. Can you I liked can that. you do that? Yeah, no, that's good. That is good. Especially since that does in a way call back to the swords. Hey, when we get our new car, I'm gonna replace it with a steering wheel like that. Oh, I yeah. wish I had a steering wheel like that. I wish I had a car that was worthy of a steering wheel like that. <laughs> no, only only beaters can have the Atari plate. <laughs> actually required. If you try to like license, get a license in a vanity plate that says Atari, they look at the car and they're like, "Is that a beater?" No, <laughs> you can't. I've only ever seen total beaters have that, uh... and I've never seen someone have the Utina plate. No, that's true. We talked to somebody in a previous episode who had the tag of their car said Utina on it. Nice. Nice. See, and that's, okay, so Utina is a place in Lithuania. <laughs> yeah. Really? And It is. Yeah. And occasionally we run into it because if you Google Utina, you will eventually run into stuff about Utina, Lithuania. Okay. And you know like how Amazon has all of those like weird AI algorithms where they'll make merch um, based on what people Google and all this weird stuff. Yeah. Long story short, there I, I don't see them anymore, but there used to be license plate frames for Lithuania, like Utina, Lithuania, that said "Happiness is being in Utina." Oh man, that's so good. Wait, and I, I mean, like, I don't like that phrasing, <laughs> but just the fact that that is a thing that existed. Pardon? That ex that exists. So it could have been that someone could have had the Atari plate. With <laughs> happiness is being in Utina around it. I'm surprised that you did not own that. I, uh, we just, you know, they took it off the... Um, yeah, now I can't get it's it. It's not yeah. on Amazon anymore. But that existed, <laughs> so that's that's a thing. I mean, now that we're making merch, morphology.otori.au... <laughs> not merch I'm going to make. Now, are you sure? Because we could do I don't, that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with the fallout. <laughs> Probably don't want to do that. That's not merch, I really... <laughs> I think uh, we, should, we should try to get away with. Oh, uh, come on. I still want to make my Akio Tears mug. Oh, yeah. But, that's a good one, though. But, yeah. So, anyway. Like, I, I actually didn't read much about the movie because I was more trying to get through the series stuff. But there's yeah. a lot of stuff about the production of the movie. And also, if that's something anybody is interested in, I need to actually, like, make a site about this. But on the forum, um, Dalboon translated the original script for Ooh. the movie that got published because Enokito wrote a script and it is totally different from the end result in like many, many, many ways. Mm -hmm. And for some reason they, they published this script. Like he also published scripts for the series that he wrote, but they weren't the changed ones. They were just straight up the scripts. Yeah. But the early movie script is very different. I think Toga's still a lot. Like there's... I don't remember. Yeah, like, I I'd have to don't read it. But if anybody's curious, that exists and and can be found pretty easily. Um, I'm guessing that is why in the uh, early trailers there are shots that don't actually show up in the in the movie. 
Like, there's a shot at one point where Muviakio and Uten are in the same room, and it's during that whole sequence where Uten is, like, taken off her clothes because Anthe's like, ooh, we're gonna, I'm gonna make you strip because this is how you're gonna feel uncomfortable. Fuck you. And so you know, I actually haven't her. watched the trailers for the movie, which is funny because that was the original pitch for this episode is that we it were going to we were going to watch <laughs> yeah. movie tra- the trailers for the movie and talk about them. And then I was like, we should talk about the stuff that was in the production materials. And then that's how this happened. Then, but yeah. <laughs> we should at a later date, we can talk about more in depth yeah. about the movie trailers, because I don't know we that should, we have time yeah. for it in this episode. Yeah. But that's, that's and like the one. So maybe there's going to be a part three. Movie. Yeah. We'll have to actually read. Yeah. The, the, we can the read the production materials, materials for the movie. And, and cause there's quite a bit of the those trailers. as well. Yeah. But God, this would be so much fun to go through, like, in general. And it like, sounds like in some of the interviews, um, because a lot of the interviews that are about the series take place in the early production phase of the movie, so a lot of it is, like, comparison stuff. And you kind of get the impression that a lot of the things that show up in the sh- in the series end up the way they do because they had it in their minds that they were going to make a movie eventually. And, like, like Ikuhara saying, you know, I didn't get to do... Yuri party Utena Anthe in the series but I got to in the sh- in the movie and you kind of wonder like is it more downplayed in the series because he knew he was going to get it in the movie is it more downplayed because that's the only choice he had because there and that's like another thing I guess that could kind of be mentioned here is that there are there are things that are in the series that couldn't be in the series but are in the remasters mm, yeah and there's like a few things there that I've noticed, like not a ton of them, but it's, it's, and like, that's the reason the guns aren't in the series is they didn't think they would be able to get away with guns because of all of the gun violence in the States, which again is so cute, but <laughs> violence was something they had a harder time depicting than sex. So while they were able to get naked Anthe having just banged her brother they got that on screen Mm -hmm. they got a full face shot of a 14 year old having sex they got that on screen but they had to depict the swords going into anthe in a highly stylized way to get away with it Mm -hmm. and then when you see the remaster which is what most of us see those shots are on like full screen but they weren't in the original broadcast yeah you made a big post about that on twitter Exactly. The bodies in in the coffins were not originally there. They were empty caskets, things like that. And it's kind of interesting to think this is what they had to edit for. Yeah. <laughs> versus depicting 14-year-olds having, which I guess goes back to what we were speaking to there, where it was like, well, this stuff was fairly normalized. This was not an out... Well, it was, but it wasn't that outrageous an idea to see at the time. <sighs> But the violence was, you know, yeah, yeah. Toga gets basically carved in half, but you never see any blood. Mm-hmm. That for some reason that one bothers me more than there's no blood in the ending. But that one drives me nuts. <laughs> well, I mean, like his shirt's like torn in half, and and he's like, "Ow!" But you don't see any blood. Like, dude, there would be blood everywhere. He would never lift his left arm again. <laughs> Just angry about that. <laughs> Uh, anyway 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 (laughs) so and there definitely is a lot of content in in the materials that basically addresses this idea of what could we get away with 
which I think was actually like a founding principle of this. Yeah. Series. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was that like, what was, can we get away with? That was built in from the beginning too. Yeah. That was definitely how Ikuhara was thinking. Well, like he says, like he was, he felt very constrained by Sailor Moon. Yeah. And a so lot he just of wanted to run to as that. far as he could yeah. with everything that he could. And Enokito says similar things too, but Enokito just just came off of. Eva. Evangelion. So, like, dude, you... Oh, sweetie, you gotta go? Yeah, Alice needs to go. So, Alice, that's fine. We love you, and you have a good night. Good night, sweetie. Y'all have a good night, too. Bye. Bye. We should probably wrap up pretty quick later, then. Yeah. I mean, we... Um, if you uh, if you guys have more stuff to... Do we have... What else talk, do we have here? To uh, talk about. I don't want to, like... Choo-choo uh, is male. That's the note I have here. I, uh, speaking of that note, that was part of the Saito interview that I read that was from the Laserdisc Mm. materials. Mm, And she talked about how Choo Choo seemed definitively male in the anime. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yep. Choo Choo is male. Also, the whole way that she describes him as, like, basically being, like, how guys would be if they had no responsibilities, just eating and eating sleeping their farts and, and falling. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> eating, to be sleeping, fair, and farting. I mean, that's a mood because that's isn't how that I feel what we all life. want? Yeah, <laughs> I don't, don't we all right? just want to like choo-choo dodge up in each other. Right? <laughs> choo-choo is definitely life. So goals. yeah, choo-choo is is male. Uh, um, what else do we have here? The meaning of the pointing fingers. Ikuhara says, it's Nothing. telling you someone controls the laws of the world. Fuck you, Ikuhara, we know. But elsewhere, he says it's nothing. He says no, that they I, don't I'm going to take anything. that version. I know, that's but I'm just what, saying. Yeah. In a different interview, he talks about it, and he's like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, wow, like, I'm so shocked that Ikuhara <laughs> would go back on something that yeah. he said before. Right? I know, right? And the only other thing here is is the Lucrezia and Cesare Borgia. Oh, Ooh, yeah. yes, 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 yes. I want you to tell me about that because <laughs> I recognize those names, but I don't know anything about what those oh, words mean. Oh, snap. Okay. Well, oh, snap. All right, I'm going right. to batten down the hatches for this flood that's going to happen. <laughs> I feel like Look, so- okay, Renaissance this may have actually come up on the show before. It, it might have. So Enikito says that uh, Akio and Anthe's dynamic is based on Lucrezia and Cesare Borgia. Who are they, and why they, should I care? They are figures from from Renaissance Italy. Um, Daddy kicked and punched his way into the papacy, and they're kind of the accessory helpers of the power structure and stuff like that. Basically, so they're siblings. Um, Lucrezia Borgia is, is noted for having married multiple husbands because they kept dying. And that's where the Cantarella comes in because Cantarella was presumably what she used to poison her husbands at Cesare's behest to further his position. Yes, I do remember this came up before because we were talking about the poison. Yeah, and that's why the poison is there. Um, because they're based on these two figures that basically did terrible things in tandem to to pursue power for Cesare. It didn't really do much for Lucrezia because she kept having to bang these miserable fucks and then killing them. Well, I um, mean, killing them must have been satisfying. That was probably satisfying. And, and of course, like, there's no actual, like, it, that's a hotly debated 
topic as far as whether she was actually Don't poisoning her the husband. other hotly debated topic. Oh yes. Also, there was the the rumor that they were having sex. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> so there was the rumor that Lucrezia and Cesare were having sex. Again, were they? Italian Renaissance Italians are catty bunch of fuckers and they yeah. just gossip a bunch of bullshit. So we really don't know whether Wait, any of is that Dante happened. Renaissance or yes. is he earlier? Yeah. Dante's he's, he's, Inferno is basically just a list of people he doesn't yeah. like. It's like a high school burn list. It's so yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really poetic. But suppose so like these two siblings uh perhaps had sex. Um, Lucrezia perhaps killed a bunch of husbands with poison. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, and they were the inspiration for Antheonacchio. That's why the Cantarella scene is there, is to kind of bring that up. And that's why she mentions the Borgias explicitly. Um, Accio, uh, Anikito explains that Accio is the one, he convinced Mrs. Atori to start poisoning her husband. And you're pre- presumably, you're assuming that that's with Cantarella as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, and Akito says that Akio's birthday is Cesare Borgia's birthday. But it's not. But it's not. It's off by two days, so I guess an attempt was made. <laughs> that is definitely in your notes here. <laughs> it's that, an attempt that yeah. was made. LOL, that but birthday the birthday is wrong. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It gets the you tried star. Yeah, clearly that was an attempt, but it was an incorrect attempt, and I'm not sure why, and it drives me nuts why they fucked that up. <laughs> like, was the Wikipedia not updated yet? Or I mean, there was no is, Wikipedia know, back then. The joke. But like, what is why? But it is clearly like that that was intended. Um, four more. There's the Borges, which is a great show about how dumb this whole was. <laughs> Yeah, and totally drinks all of the the conspiratorial Kool Aid. They totally fuck on that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. It's it's a fun show. Well, I mean fun. the the entire setup there with like dad becoming the pope and yeah. then the brother and sister maybe maybe fucking and maybe murdering and all this kind of stuff that just lends itself to extra bullshit. Yeah, so 100%. That's, that's what we get totally, and that's like the interesting thing. Like, when, when you do see them talk about, like, inspirations for the show, Western stuff shows up as often, if not kind of more than Japanese material does. Like, Takarazuka comes up a lot. Um, Teriyama comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. All that, like, JSCs are uh, influenced and all of that comes up a lot. But they bring up a lot of things like the Borgias and, like, obscure pieces that, well, I... I you know, pieces of European history, then I'm like, why would you even be thinking about this shit? Who cares? Um, at some point, they bring up Versailles, obviously. Mm. Not like Rose of Versailles, but the place Versailles. Like, um, sure. The idea that a Tory Academy is kind of a Versailles situation. Um, and how it's designed. Yeah, I mean, you can see that in the aesthetic, for sure. All, yeah, and all these rich people locked in a cage because... That's how you stay rich. Yeah. yeah. In this society right now. And then now. there's that whole, like, that that massive, I'm not trapped in here with you, you're trapped in here with me energy that they got. Yeah. From, yeah. 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 That's that's there. Louis the Fourteenth. Well, I mean, do you know the history on that? Not, I mean, like, 
I know that at some point I was taught some stuff about that, okay. but it's been so long since I was in an, like, oh, just a general history course. Okay, so I'll I'll sketch it out. I'm not going to go into any great amount of detail here. Uh, Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King, the grandfather of the Louis who married Marie Antoinette and got his head chopped off. Um, Louis the Fourteenth basically brought his entire court to this tiny little, well, by their standards, tiny little backwater hunting lodge where um, he proceeded to build the most beautiful palace ever and ended up enacting a bunch of decrees about how the nobles weren't allowed to go back to Paris because... Mm -hmm. What had happened in his father's time was that um, the nobles had tried to stage a revolution of their own, and yeah, that didn't work out so well. So basically there was a gigantic, um, how do I put this? Hot mess. Well, yeah, it was a hot <laughs> mess, and they were the nobles were trying to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But, but they kept fucking it up because no, at the end of the day, Louis the he was Louis like Louis kept outsmarting them. Yeah, and it turned into a situation of that whole, "I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me." Mm-hmm. And yeah, he and started that's basically like, what a Tory is. Yeah, it's like the center of the universe is wherever the king is. Yep. Yeah. And and yep. Accio is a prince that pretends he's a king. Exactly. And if you think of the student council as his court, them thinking that they're going to run things and uh, that not no, actually being not the so case much. in any way whatsoever. It's a so, yeah. fairly, it's a fairly, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a fairly cohesive metaphor for the, for their situations in relation to one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, they draw a lot from like like stuff like that, and it's kind of this is this is an advertisement. You can please leave this in. I have a a several page um, interview with Ikuhara that I don't have translated that was published in an art university's uh, periodical in Japan called Actual Sexuality. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, the name of the article is something like, um, uh, Where Revolutionary Girl Utina Was Born. And it's it's an interview with, um, with a sci-fi, like, a feminist sci-fi, uh, expert in Japan, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a thing that exists. She gets a lot of shit. Um. <laughs> I love her already. Oh, oh, yeah. You're going to love her more. I can get into that later. But so this interview exists. It's like 20 miles long. It's huge. I want someone to translate it because the pictures. Okay. So the pictures that they have in this article are, are David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, um, uh, Junichi Nakahara, which I've posted about on Twitter before. And, 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 Kirk slash Spock BDSM fan art from seven from the seventies. I do mm-hmm. recall seeing you post about that one specifically. Yeah, like the stuff that's in this article, so far as I can tell, is like fucking gold, and I want it translated. Also, Anne Rice's beauty series yes. is mentioned. Yes, 
Which, why? <laughs> what does yeah. that have to do with Utena? I, I kind of don't want to know, but I no, also do. You're, you're, uh, but I know enough uh, about the Anne Rice beauty series to not want to know. <laughs> oh, we read it for our book club. Yeah. Our oh, boy. <laughs> the book club is called Internal Clock Municipal Library. Come join us on the Discord. We read horrible things. I good things. I will things. ask you guys about that when we're done recording. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> but but yeah, so if anyone um is a translator, I desperately want this thing translated. I'll I'll post about it pretty quickly here. Yeah. I have it uploaded. I've put it through an OCR, although it's not entirely accurate because the OCR didn't like some of it. But I want this translated because it sounds like it's it digs into a lot of the the creation and the inspiration and stuff for the show, especially like, and that's where I'm getting this like. There's a lot of Western content and a lot of of Eastern content, and I'm dying of curiosity as to whether these things like fucking Kirk and Spock are brought up by Ikuhara or this other person. <laughs> I, I desperately need to know in my ways. life if Ikuhara. <laughs> Has it, yes. Kirk Spock slashes. I need if, to know if this. If Ikuhara, well, we know he's aware of it now. Yeah. But was he aware of it when he, when he made the series? Yeah. And, oh, I should add that it's explicitly about LGBT uh, depictions in media that were inspirations for, for the series. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's what you have in common with all of these things I listed is they're all like, you know, queer and, yeah. and ancillary to queer and stuff they're like in the that. quilt bag they're in the quilt bag so that s that that article is a thing that would be a lot of the discussion on this podcast i think if it's translated so somebody needs to translate it oh if we if you can <laughs> if you can find somebody to translate it we are definitely having an episode about that <laughs> yeah yeah like and for it's, sure and it's yes and it's long. It's not like a short thing. It is academic. Like, it's published in an academic magazine, so I'm guessing the language is a bit challenging. Yeah. Uh, compared to, like, you know, Saito just kind of cleverly, sweetly talking out of her butt and stuff. Mm. I f- like, so it's probably not as easy to translate to some things. Um, but, yes. She's actually thumping books I've... against the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I literally bought this magazine like sight unseen. All I saw was that it was like a Yahoo uh, auction that said actual sexuality, and then I saw the text like the title "Revolutionary Girl Luch, and I'm like, "Can't purchased." I have no <laughs> idea what this is, uh, and and it turned out to be something epic. So I I want more on that. I want to hear exactly like because the the LGBT inspiration and content for it you'll notice we didn't discuss much because it's not actually discussed much in the materials yeah yeah interestingly I don't know why whether it's that that subtext has been and I think it has been built up and and piled up over the years like we've put a lot of that on mm. the show on top of what's yes already and there. no yes and no yeah. there's I mean we've sure expanded it, it. yeah. We've expanded it in a way that I don't think the show necessarily started with. The show but... didn't didn't make it the focus. Like yeah. it didn't like the the closest to making it the focus is, is jury. jury. But you don't hear a lot about that in the interview materials. They don't talk about like the queerness of it a lot. Actually, in one of the Anikito things, I think it's one of the things Birds translated, but I haven't like mm. got a final for yet. He discusses jury and basically says something to the effect of. 
Jury being a lesbian isn't important yeah. to her character. Like, but that's like one of her three character traits. It is. I no, know. no, 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 Yikes. no. I mean, Jury could be obsessed with a pet rock and would still have the yeah. same. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that a little bit yeah. before. Yeah, but that's basically what they mean is like the fact that Jury is a, is a girl doesn't really mean that much to jury's reactions or the the situation that she's in like yeah she's a lesbian great she could be like like i said she it could be a pet rock she's attracted to that's not the important part of it which i think is actually a very progressive idea on its own and one that we haven't necessarily gotten to because we're still we're in this like golden age of like queer representation but that is the driving force whenever you see it like Mm -hmm. hey guys there's a you know lefou is gay cool but it's always like we're still at that like ticking off a box stage we're not at quite always at that this character is queer and that's not that's not relevant either way yeah that's not their main personality trait or that's not their main purpose for being there to have it just yeah. be an incidental thing is really great. Yeah, and I feel like, like, like I think that's kind of what Anikito's getting at, is that the fact of her being a lesbian is not where they started with why her character exists the way she does. Mm-hmm. They ended up there. But I do kind of like that idea, because I feel like that's better, quote-unquote, representation than some of this other stuff where it is like, hey guys, you wanted a queer, here's a queer. Yeah. And that's, their job is to be the queer. Yeah. So, but for the most part, they don't really discuss the the queer inspiration and the queer subtext or the queer text in in the interview materials. Like, actually, I don't remember anyone bringing up Akio and Toga in the in the materials. No, I don't think they do. I don't I remember Even though seeing that, is that at all. The the only explicit depiction of homosexuality in the show. Yeah. Like unambiguously. Yeah. And if you say otherwise, I, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't I know mean, what to tell you. I mean, the toga yoga was right on screen. It's there. Like, <laughs> I, I'm still, Yikes. I'm still boggled by 15 years ago when people you'd be like, about. Akio and Toga have sex. And people would be like, no, they didn't. Yikes. Look. Fucking yikes. <laughs> yeah. Like, straight people what? will see what they want to see. Look, I mean, fucking yes. yeah, but I, uh, okay, I but, my okay. one regret is that I never actually just posted that screenshot in reply. I did. I'm glad you At did. It is worth noting, though, that most of the people that said that were Toga fangirls. Yeah, that's so true. So they had something and to I protect. And I rounded out the fandom because yes. they're idiots. His, his, <laughs> what? Yes, they had to protect Toga's chastity or some shit. I don't know. Anyway, but that doesn't. I want to know how that went down, though. I I want to know how that went down. If they argued, that doesn't mean anything because you know Akio was on this side of the bed and Toga's on this side of the bed, and it's just that their shadows overlap because that's how shadows. It's it's all bullshit. No, that's bullshit. Uh, They're actually having mentioned much. Um, Utena and Anthe as a queer couple gets discussed in the in the errata very little in terms of the series it's all like they're always talking about oh well he didn't get to do this in the series it's not in the original manga but we got to do this in the the movie and in the movie manga which by the way uh i i'm not a hundred percent sure 
so maybe don't quote me on this, but I think at some point Saito points out that the original manga is is published in this like Chow magazine that's explicitly a shoujo magazine. Yes, but the movie one was published in more of a Jose one. Ooh, mm. I didn't know that. So We're, we actually uh, we are going to be doing the movie manga finally uh, in an upcoming episode. Maybe oh, maybe fact check that one, but. For sure, after the revolution is published in, in an explicitly Jose uh, magazine, uh, Flowers, the newer one, and that's why Saito got to do her BL thing with Togen Sayanji. She she says she wrote Togen Sayanji and After the Revolution as a BL couple. Oh, really? Like, because we talked yes. about After the Revolution in the Toga episode that will come out after this, and. It didn't come up that they are together. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, it's, it's subtext. not together. It's not subtext. It, she basically says, I I wrote their installment of After the Revolution the way you would write a BL story. Okay. Okay. Basically. I got you. And like that, that holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they don't actually BL or anything. Sure. But the, the subtext is very much there. The, unresolved sexual tension is there yeah they've definitely got some ust for each other yeah we Um, will definitely be doing episodes on after the revolution as well (laughs) y'all have fun with that (sighs) but (laughs) but yeah like supposedly that's why uh they got to do all of this queer stuff in the movie so a lot of the the errata and the interviews and stuff like that that discuss queer content explicitly discuss the movie and mm. tend to exclude the series. So it's kind of like this interesting thing where they made this super gay series, but they don't... But they never talk about how gay it is. Yeah, it's kind of like they didn't want to say how gay it is, because they were still like, well, this still was a kid's show, so... But it, here's the movie. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> it was never but, a kid's show. But the movie got to do a lot of things that clearly the show didn't get to do, that they clearly don't like to talk about the show doing. And in that respect, it's very strange because they don't actually bring up even things that they did get away with on the show. They don't mention much. Like, they bring up episode 33 a few times, but it's always very dodgy and they don't like to get into it a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But they'll talk at, like, huge length about how romantic episode 30 was and stuff like that. Which is... What the fuck? They won't talk. They don't talk about Akio and Toga. They'll talk about Jury, but it's always with this, like, but, you know, it's not really important that she's Mm -hmm. gay... They weren't like like it's like you get the impression he wasn't. They weren't trying to like break new ground in the well, world. Well, and or I something. mean, consider the audience. Yeah, it isn't as accepted. It isn't. Yeah, uh, like LGBT stuff is still, uh, what like it, it's it's a few years behind us in terms I feel of development. Like jury exists as a counterpoint to uh, gay ones in Salem. Oh, yeah. What are the, what are their names? Uh, the gay ones. Uh, Uranus and Neptune. Yeah, I mm. can see that. Because like, if if you didn't have the requited part, you have the disaster lesbian part, and Jury is there to be the disaster lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Or just disaster. She's, she's, she's a disaster. Well, yeah. But she's just a disaster. It's fine. I mean, they're all disasters. Actually, the material gets into everybody, like yeah. everybody Everybody's being a dysfunctional and everybody being, but they're all basically just microcosms of the macro that is 
Utena and Anthe. Which is like, that's like an interesting, like, point there. Because, like, they do talk, like, they totally say, oh, everyone in this show is a complete hot mess. They're garbage. But they also say every single character is a piece of Utena. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. like, so what you're saying is Utena isn't even a hotter mess than <laughs> she seems in the show mean... and she's a hot mess. <laughs> like, are they wrong? They are not. That's what's great about it is is they got to depict a character that was an even hotter mess by having all of these ancillary people be just total fucking trash. Mm-hmm. And if you're going with that, then Miki is the representation of Utena's romantic love for Anthe. So, eee. yeah. Eee. So, like, Miki would be the the representation oh of my her God. romantic let's, love. Let's for, not do this. For let's Anthe. not do this. <laughs> no, no. This is too long as okay, it is. Right. Anyway, we, we so need yeah. to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do need to wrap up. We are getting else? very long here. Yeah. <laughs> is there? Yeah, I figure you'll probably cut half of it anyway. I will definitely uh, cut out some of this, but the vast majority of this is staying in, for better <laughs> or for worse. <laughs> so yeah, that's I. I feel like that's pretty much yeah. A, yeah. I don't know. You, the stuff that really sticks with me is the stuff that just makes me go ee, like the the episode thirty and the way or episode thirty and thirty three, both of them, and the way that they yeah. What think they say them, about it is like <gasps> yeah. Um. But on for, the whole... for more information, if anyone wants to know like where all of this stuff comes from, uh, again, the booklets from the DVD and Blu-ray remasters. But for the Blu-ray, it has to be the limited edition. They didn't put it with the regular release, which the limited edition is amazing. Fucking buy it. Yeah, that's where a lot of this comes from. Um, it's a nice little on... hardcover booklet. And yeah. each of them has a, a number like it's edition number at the bottom yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. what um, what guy's number is y'all's uh, oh God. i don't know because we don't actually use we those would, we used the dvd booklets that we got 10 years ago for this we, we oh i thought you guys had the the oh, no, we both. do have it it's we just have it's just somewhere <laughs> i don't know where oh do it's somewhere it? else it's, it's in the cabinet of Utena oh, shit. Yeah. Um, the other place is on Empty Movement. There's a subsite called um, From the Mouths of Babes. And that's like where I've compiled all of the translated like interviews and stuff like that. There's things like like IRC chat logs, if anyone knows what IRC is. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, wow. That's when... <laughs> okay. That's a blast from yeah. the past. Yeah, so there's, like, uh, IRC chat interviews that, that Saito did and stuff like that. There's some stuff that was published, like, in An America magazine and it translated interviews and that all, a lot of that stuff is there. So totally check that out. Um, the resources site, Historia Arcana, is where I have untranslated stuff, like that magazine article. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, you want should... to have more to talk about, go over there and translate some of that stuff because there's tons of it. Yeah, there's literally an entire book about Ikuhara. BRB, gonna go learn there. Japanese real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an entire book. We have so... a treasure trove of stuff that has yeah. not yet been translated. But between like the creator's site and uh, the the booklets that came with the the Blu-ray releases, where we got most of this. Mm-hmm. And and there's a couple things I mentioned that aren't on either of those places, but are coming because I have people translate. Yay! So, yay! yay more stuff. More coming. stuff coming. But 
as so always. So that's my plug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how you feeling, Panda? I'm doing uh, after, great. After this download of information. It's a lot. I think, okay, real quick. Did you guys mm-hmm. mention when we were talking about the car, the thorns on the... Yep. Okay. Yes. And that Anthe yes. has to put her hands yep. on the thorns. Yep. We did mention that. Okay. And we do actually sure. have key art. We do actually have production art from when they still had the spikes on the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'm going to so. definitely put that up. I just wanted to uh, make sure that we covered that because I that mm-hmm. happened to be what's up in my Discord window right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, nice. we did yep, cover we that. Got that. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, if that's all we've got for tonight, we can go ahead and wrap up. <laughs> yeah at least for now because i mean we could probably continue to talk about this but we're already at like we almost stop, two hours yeah. so we need to stop yep. <laughs> somebody There's stop us please stop <laughs> okay i'll cut yeah. it off all right all right panda do your thing if you would like to follow us on twitter you can do that at utinacast if you'd like to follow me on twitter you can do that at impandanata if you would like to follow alice on twitter you can do that at liarwolf which i will not spell you can go to her ko-fi and support her and commission her to write things for you i don't know the link for that but i'm sure that you can find it on her twitter somewhere uh, Gio and Yasha can be found at MT Movement, which is otori.nu or on Twitter at otori underscore nu. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to plug? And if you want to support us, you can buy merch. Yes, your uh, merch site. Yeah, at morphology.otori.nu. Gonna get we me one got... of those Cow Naname shirts. Yes, <laughs> Cow Naname shirts. Mm-hmm. Excellent. They're Excellent. beautiful. And uh, yeah. friend of the show, Abby, recently bought her uh, disaster lesbian Utana gym yep. shirt. Yeah. Yep. And the horrible yellow 90s one. God, I love that over. shirt with my whole entire being. <laughs> <laughs> that is, such an, it's so bad. That is the one shirt that I have wanted from the show this entire time. <laughs> and you made this happen. So I will also probably be getting that, too. Excellent. <laughs> And I have requested a manga toga Wizard of Oz shirt, which I will find the panel for you. So I already that- found the panel. Okay, so. good. I yep. meant to look for it, I gotcha. and I didn't do that. So I was going to so do it after e- we recorded. That is in the pipes. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> but yes, go support Empty Movement. Buy t-shirts to put on your body. If you would like to support us, we are a Patreon-supported podcast. You can find that link anywhere that you can find us on the internet. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at imagineandutina at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow us on Tumblr, you can do that at imagineandutina.tumblr.com. I think that that is all the things that I need to say in this part of the show. So, revolutionize the world, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye -bye. Bye. Bye.